Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's Sermon on the Mount teaching in Matthew 5, 17-30, called The Law of the King. Teach the Word of God as living, authoritative, and powerful. And you'll be called great in the kingdom of God. This is all over our Bibles. Paul uh, in Galatians 1 says, don't preach another gospel. Don't believe someone who preaches another gospel. And you say, well, what is going on here? What is Jesus after? Well, he's after the scribes and the Pharisees. And I gave you the thesis verse. Read it again now in light of what Jesus just said. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. This might be as radical as saying to a Catholic person, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pope, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The hearers of this would be shocked because when they looked at the scribes and Pharisees, you know what they thought of them? These are the guys that keep the law. These are the ones who, down to the minutest details, dress the right way, eat the right way, fast, tithe, do all the things that you're supposed to do, right? But they did it only to impress men. They did not do it because they had the love of God in their heart. And the six things that Jesus will bring up, he'll bring up murder, adultery, uh, the taking of oaths, and a few other things, the, the love of God and love of enemies, are a direct assault on what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing to play games with the law of God. I'll give you an example. They would take an oath, and I'll contemporize this. Let's just say that someone's in the court of law, and it's something like this. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And someone repeats that hand on the Bible and says, yes, I swear. But then they lie on the witness stand. And then they get confronted and they say, how could you do that? You made an oath. Oh, but I didn't make it on a King James Bible. It was an NIV. And you all know that the NIV is the nearly inspired version, right? And it wasn't genuine leather. Now, that's a contemporary example of what they were doing. They said, well, we swore by this, but we didn't swear by that. So that, that gives us a little wiggle room, right? Or here's what was happening. They, they hated people in their hearts. They thought Gentiles were only created to uh, basically feed the fires of hell. They looked down on women. They looked down on children. They looked down on everybody, people who were in the wrong school, in the wrong economic class, you name it. They hated people in their heart. In the back room, the religious leaders were getting together and saying, ah, oh, that guy's a fool. That guy's an idiot. That guy's this. That guy's that. They hated people. Jesus said they hated me without a cause. And Jesus is about to call them out and say, you're a bunch of murderers. You are breaking the law of God. You teach others. You, you clean the outside of the cup. You look good to men, but inside there's corruption. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Torah teacher. And he confronts our hearts. 
You know, uh, when we begin to hear the word of God, and I remember way back in the day, some three decades ago, I would hear the Bible taught, and I concluded that that preacher had a copy of my diary. There was only one problem. I didn't have a diary. (laughs) And there were things being illuminated about my own heart that were frankly hard to take. And I can see it in some of your eyes today. And I saw it at first service. Enough, uncle. You're going to say that at the end of this message. And I want to tell you, I have some good news to share with you at the end. But Jesus doesn't mess around with the outward stuff. God looks not on the outward. He looks where? For Samuel 16, 7, at the heart. That's what he cares about. He knows that we can fool people. He knows that we can impress people with our religiosity. But that's not what impresses God. Proverbs 23, 6 through 8, in light of those thoughts, reads this way. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and you will waste your compliments. Proverbs 23, 6 through 8. Here's the image. You go to dinner and it's the obligatory uh, exchange of pleasantries. It's something like this. You ever have had this happen? You meet somebody and they seem so interested in you and so nice. Oh, so what? Oh, you have, oh, what a wonderful family. You're a good looking pair. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe we should get together. Here's my business card. Let's have lunch sometime. And then you have the meal and you find out that he represents an organization. Everybody, any, any had, uh, have this happen before? And that organization will, Within 20 years, if you do things the right way, make you a millionaire, and then you can focus on ministry. But the only one who's going to become a millionaire in this uh, so-shaped scheme is the person having lunch with you. So you say something like this. You know, sir, with all due respect, I'm really not interested. Watch how his attitude toward you shifts. That's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. Don't buy all the compliments and stuff because his heart is not with you. He says, eat and drink, but he's thinking in himself that you are simply just a means to his end. And the father says, I'll have none of that. Jesus says, I'll have none of that. You religious leaders were supposed to represent me to the Gentiles. And you've made it so difficult for people to move on the Sabbath You won't lift a finger, but you'll put weights on their shoulders. I could go on and on, but I think you guys understand what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, look, it shouldn't shock you that your righteousness needs to surpass them because their righteousness is plastic. Their heart is not in love with God. Now, he'll give two examples. We'll only do two of the six. The first one is the sixth commandment. Notice, 521 of Matthew. You've heard that the ancients uh, were told, you shall not commit murder. Now that's the sixth commandment and that's Exodus 20 verse 13. And whoever commits murder, now here's their part, shall be liable to the court. Now 
He, he quoted the sixth commandment, but then part B of that verse is man. And the scribes and Pharisees had, had added layer of tradition to the commandments so that they almost amalgamated together in the people's minds. Now, what's the Old Testament penalty for murder? Death. Now, the court could be involved to make sure there were two or three witnesses because you couldn't be convicted on the testimony of one witness. And so, yeah, there could be a legal proceeding. But here's what I think is going on. I think if someone committed murder back in the day and they were high up in society, a religious elite, they knew the judge, they had money, they could go into that court and not be condemned. They might hire a, a you know, sophisticated lawyer with a nice suit who had a glove that you know, seemed too small to fit the hand and a pleasant rhyme, something like, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit, right? Sorry if I offended anybody there. And I'm t- not talking about the juice. I'm talking about the Jews. You say you guys, but anyway, never mind. That's, sorry, Lord. Anyway, I'm going somewhere with this. Here's where I'm going. If you were a poor person and something like this happened and maybe it was debatable what occurred, you had no rights, no privileges because you didn't have the money and you didn't have the connections and you didn't have the relationships. But the religious leaders were in league with Rome. They could probably buy their way out of anything. And Jesus came to shine light on the truth. And that's why they wanted to kill him. Because he got to the truth of what was really going on. Now, he's going to ramp this up and he's going to compare murder to hatred. He says, I say to you, okay, you've heard the command, you've heard what they've added to it, but I say to you, 22, everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. I think he's going now into God's court. That's my personal view. Whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, What's that mean? That means rockhead. What? <laughs> Empty head. Something like this. You are worthless. You heard the little kid who said to his mom, Mom, why is it that the idiots are only out when dad is driving? <laughs> I don't know if dad says raka, but anyway. Jesus is comparing hatred to murder and confronting the religious spirit of the day that felt like you could hate people but still be good with God. John picks this up in 1 John and he says, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. 1 John 3, I think it's verse 15. How can you say you love God whom you haven't seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? We're going back to the law and the prophets. They hang on two commands. Love God, love others. Jesus is basically saying this. If you can disdain people left and right, and yet you think you represent heaven's heart, you're wrong because God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's why Jesus was there. 
You've been listening to the Walk in Truth program. Hey, listen, family, Pastor Michael here. Hey, I wanted to just take a moment to celebrate something that the Lord has done, and he's done it through you. Those of you who pray, those of you who give, we are now adding a radio station in San Diego. It is 106.1 FM and 1210 AM K and we are now adding a morning drive time at 5 a.m., 5 a.m. Monday through Friday, and we're going to be on Sunday mornings at 6.30 a.m. And we are so grateful for all of you who have been praying, those of you who have become have become Walk in Truth partners. We've walked through a new door, and we want to walk through more. So if you want to learn more about how to partner with us, it's walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But we just wanted to say a big thank you and give glory to God for this new radio station. I pray the Lord does wonderful things through it in his name. Amen and amen. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Jesus is basically saying this. If you can disdain people left and right, and yet you think you represent heaven's heart, you're wrong because God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's why Jesus was there. So he says, look, if you, if you say you're a worthless so-and-so, you're an idiot, you shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And get this, if you say, whoever shall say you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. And all God's people said, gulp? Now, is Jesus doing this for shock value? He's going to use some hyperbole in this sermon, extreme language to make a point. I don't know, but I'll I'll say this. If someone can be so hateful in their heart, they probably don't know God, and therefore they're on their way to judgment. It was unthinkable to these guys. Everybody else was supposed to be coming into judgment, not them. But they were wrong. So Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, doesn't he? And it, and it makes me search my heart. It makes me ask the question, what do I mutter when no one else is listening about people made in the image of God? I will tell you this, I, I struggle with some people in our culture and I struggle with some people who are in leadership in our culture. And I'm not sure that all of my thoughts are prayers. Can I get a witness? And so Jesus' words caused me to search my heart. So what do I do if this has been my mindset? My mindset, look at 23. If therefore, Jesus speaking, you're presenting your offering at the altar. The only altar was in Jerusalem at the temple. And the altar would represent something like the Day of Atonement. You go there, you confess your sin on the head of an animal. It dies on the altar, sheds its blood to cover your sin. Well, if you go to Jerusalem and you're there for the feast and you are presenting a sacrifice, an animal's gonna die for your sin and you remember that your brother has something against you. 
There's hatred, bitterness between the two of you. Leave your offering there before the altar. Go your way. Notice the order. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come and present your offering. We might write here in our Bibles, Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now what is Jesus doing here? He's saying that relationships trump religion. If you walk into a church building, praise the Lord, hallelujah, yet you've got a wake of destruction in your path on the way to the church, there's a problem. Example, we had uh, Sherman Garnett, new uh, leader of our men's ministry, tells a story. He's a retired sheriff. He says he, he got called out to a home, a domestic violence call, and, and a man there that got confronted had just beat up his wife. He had, he had brutalized her physically. And it came out that he had done this multiple times. But he was trying to get out of the house before the officers arrested him because he was on his way to teach a Bible study. Uh, I got to get out of here. Wait, one more, honey. I got to go teach a Bible study now. I'm not kidding, this is a real story. So Sherman said that when he got the guy in the back of the police car, he said to him, dude, help me understand how you feel like you could beat your wife and you're on your way to teach a Bible study? Don't you see something wrong here? Well, I guess the guy felt bad. I don't know if he repented or not. I was in a class in another state, guy, uh, in the class tells me that on the East Coast, he's part of a network of churches, a denomination where in some of the denominational churches, they have pastors who have mistresses on the side. He said, one pastor I know of has three or four mistresses other than his wife, and everybody knows about it in the congregation, and he still preaches every Sunday in the pulpit. I said, how's that possible? Well, in that denomination, they believe that the pastor is the man. He's God's anointed. So no one can confront him. So he just keeps going on with it. And everybody knows about it, but nobody does anything about it. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying that you've got to be perfect to represent the king because none of us would qualify. He is saying if there's a disconnect and you've so compartmentalized your life that you think you can do this and then do this? Uh-uh. Your righteousness better surpass that because all that is is a game. So he says, look, if you're presenting your offering and you realize there's something amiss in a relationship, take care of it. Let me read two scriptures for you. For the sake of time, don't turn there. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2 reads this way. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God. Draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they're doing evil. Don't be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Don't offer the sacrifice of fools. Listen to David after he sinned with Bathsheba. Psalm 51, 10 through 12 reads this way. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. That could be my prayer every day. Lord, give me a willing spirit. Change me. You've been listening to The Law of the King, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's Sermon on the Mount teaching in Matthew 5, 17 through 30. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. All right. Now as we get into these famous uh, sayings about Jesus taking a command and then bringing the depth of that command out in terms of what's happening in our hearts. Remember, you know, the law is deeper than just action on the outside. It's the heart on the inside. And that's what makes it, <laughs> that, that's what makes us know we need Jesus, right? But what if you would say, even at this very moment, you know what? There's hatred in my heart towards a person, maybe even more than one person. And maybe you would say, I have some hatred in my heart toward a fellow Christian. Maybe for some of you, the hatred is toward your spouse or a family member or someone who's really hurt you within the church. What do you do then? Well, you can't deny that you're feeling that way, right? I mean, if it's bubbling up in you, you can't just say, no, it's not. But the question when we have feelings, right? When we, when we have hate bubbling up is what do we do with it? First of all, we, we have to ask just a couple of key questions. I think number one, where is it coming from? In other words, is, do I have some righteous anger? I, I would differentiate hatred from anger. And if you hate somebody, well, that's, that's a, a different issue, right? But if you have anger, ask yourself, wh- what's the reason? Is it righteous anger? Have they hurt me or others? Am I indignant because they've offended God or caused a lot of damage? And if so, well, maybe there's some rightness in your anger. But then the question becomes, so what do I do with that? You know, Jesus talks about if you hate your brother in your heart or hate him without a cause. But, you know, what do you do when it's there and maybe it's even somewhat justified? Well, I think you can turn your anger into prayer. You can give the Lord your anger because, you know, ultimately that's where it has to rest. But there's a third option. Maybe that righteous anger can be turned into righteous action. Like maybe there's a need for a loving confrontation. Uh, if, if there's nothing you can do about the situation, then ultimately you have to say, Lord, I give you my anger and I'm asking that you would work in this person's life. And if there's anything in my heart that's not right, the motivation is questionable, then deal with my heart. These are some difficult issues and we cannot deny that there's times when we we have these feelings, but we have to ask some key questions about why they're happening. 
and uh, what we're to do with them. And of course, the Word of God is always our guide. We're moving through the incredible Sermon on the Mount, and we are looking at the law of the King. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth, and we're glad that you're walking with us through the Word of God. We're going to present to you the whole Gospel of Matthew, and we happen to be teaching through this Gospel where I pastor. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're, We're right on the border of Norco and Corona, on the north side of Corona, and We do uh, multiple services during the week. We have a lot of things going on. But hey, if you live anywhere in the Inland Empire and you'd like to check out the church, you can find out more when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. Walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. You can find out information, directions. We have a midweek service on Wednesdays, three Sunday morning services, one of them in Spanish. We have men's and women's studies, a lot going on. And if you'd like to know more, walkintruth.com. Now, if you're out of the area, we do live stream our second service on Sunday mornings, 1030 a.m. Pacific time. And there's a way to link to the YouTube channel live if you'd like to do that or even watch it later. All of that is available at walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 5, 17 through 30, called The Law of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.